0: All right, we welcome everyone tonight, and Candy and Israel are brave souls for sitting in the front there within spitting distance. (laughs) I've been spit on before. So it's good to see everyone tonight, and those that are jumping on Facebook Live right now, we welcome you as well. And what I'm going to do tonight, since we haven't had services for two weeks, I'm going to go back, and I'm sure you can guess. I'm going to repeat and reiterate portions of what I shared two weeks ago. And if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along a little bit, I'm going to be going to Matthew 12. And then the title of the message tonight is going to be The Allegorical Reality of John the Baptist's Imprisonment and Beheading the allegorical reality of John the Baptist's imprisonment and beheading. But a couple of weeks ago, we looked in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 and 45 and we saw, as we looked at the context of what was being said there, we saw that the context was that the Pharisees came to Jesus and questioned Him concerning the motive for healing on the Sabbath. Turn me down just a little bit. We have a little echo on the uh, lavalier mic. And so we found out that he associated an unclean spirit and unclean spirits with their mindset of religiosity. And we talked about the fact that an unclean spirit and unclean spirits are not entities that jump into us and cause us to do squirrely things. But we found out, according to the context of Matthew chapter 12, these legalistic mindsets were questioning Jesus as to his motives for healing on the Sabbath. And, of course, he set them straight, and he began to talk to them, and he began to use, again, first of all, in verse 43, the words, unclean spirit, and then in 44, I believe it was, he talked about seven, or unclean spirits, plural, And so he was associating all of that with their mindset, not to some entity on the outside of them. And then in verse 43, he talked about the fact that these lower thoughts can come, but when they find a dry place or dry places, and I shared with you, how that there was no water. Now, water can be emotions that are spiritual emotions, joy, and so forth, But water that flows can also speak of of lower emotions, the emotions that are not subject to the spirit. And so he talked about these lower thoughts coming and finding no place of rest because of the dry places. In other words, because of the fact that the emotions, the lower emotions were not flowing. And we talked about the fact that James says that we're tempted... When we're drawn aware of our own lust, and lust does not have a sexual connotation, not always anyhow, but lust can be emotions. So when the lower thoughts try to tempt us because we've created a vacuum, we've swept out the house, there's no lower emotions flowing, the unclean spirit cannot set up house within the house of our awareness. And then in the next verse we talked, I think it was verse 44, we talked about the fact that the house was swept, we created a vacuum, but because the person does not replace the vacuum or the emptiness with the Christ mind, that's when it says that seven more lower realms of thought can enter in, causing havoc, causing a lot of problems within our life. And it wasn't seven as a literal number as seven levels of lower thoughts. Seven means divine intervention. And so what was happening is because they swept the house, they created the vacuum, but didn't replace it with the Christ mind where they had created the vacuum, where that empty space was and that void was, there was an intervention that was worse than the beginning there was an intervention of the lower thoughts that caused that person to experience a whole lot worse situation than he did in the beginning. So we talked about that, and then I incorporated Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 10 with that that says that Jeremiah rooted out and he, 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 he tore down and so forth. He destroyed, it says, but not without at the same time building up. Building up. So, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about, well, I'm going through deconstruction and I went through this deconstruction. Let me say something about that and then I'll continue on. Do you know that religion has already deconstructed us? Religion has already deconstructed us. And so what are we doing? We're taking uh, those ideas and traditions and doctrines of men and we're deconstructing them even further. But listen, it's dangerous if while we're in the process of deconstruction, we do not do some reconstruction, as Jeremiah and 1 and verse 10 talks about. So the unclean spirit there in Matthew 12, 43 through 45 speaks of not entities that try to jump on the inside of us. They are mindsets or thoughts that are already in us that we embrace from religiosity. See, Jesus said it this way. It is not that which is without that defiles the man, but it is that which is within. Within where? Within the heart awareness. Now, I showed you, I believe, a very vital thing for us to understand, which is this. A lot of people have trouble with this. There is only one power. I wrote a post on that a couple of weeks ago, about 11 o'clock or 11.30 at night, and I used the word inverted. And what I said was, there is only one power, but we can invert that one power. You know, it says in Isaiah that God formed the light and created the darkness. That's an antithesis, meaning... He formed the light because there's no darkness in him whatsoever. There's no death in him whatsoever. So he formed the light and he brought the peace and so forth. But we, in our heart awareness, what did we do? We inverted it and it made it look like it was another power. And I gave you the example that if I have an electrical problem in my home, I'm going to call the electrician because I know nothing about electricity. Now, if I try to fix it myself, what am I going to do? I could burn the house down. But guess what? That's not another power at work. It appears like another power, but it is the one power used incorrectly, me thinking I could do something which I could not do, and I inverted that power. The same way within Job. You know, Job talked about the sweet influence of Pallades. Well, some people are influenced by the constellations in a positive aspect or in a negative aspect. When there's a full moon, some people act like lunatics. But other people are very euphoric. What is it? It's the one power that created the universe, that put the stars there, that put the moon there. You see. But we corrupt that, you see, in our awareness. You can't corrupt the one power, but in your awareness you can. And what it will do is cause something to manifest that appears to be another power, appears to be an evil power, but it's really still the one power inverted. And that's a lesson we really need to learn. It's a hard lesson, but it's a lesson we need to learn. Then we went to Revelation chapter 9, where it talked there about the fifth seal. And the fifth seal, as the fifth seal was in operation, out of the fifth seal came what? Locuses. And we talked about these locuses, and it says the locuses were told not to hurt the trees or the grass or anything, except only hurt... Those people that have not the seal of God written in their forehead. Now, what is that talking about? The locusts. What do locusts do? They eat things that are in the process of growth. So, in other words, the locusts come and they hurt all of those things in us that are not in accordance with the seal of God written in our foreheads. Now, to hurt means what? To hurt means it, it's, it hurts to let go and have the locusts eat up all of our religious traditions and doctrines of men. That can be a process that's very painful for us to have all of that swallowed up. But it got even better because when you read there in Revelation 9 about the locusts, it says they have hair like women. So that refers to what? Our left-sided feminine principle. That has embraced. Yep, yep. Nothing wrong with the left side. God gave it to us. But the lower thoughts can only come through the woman or the feminine principle of our being. So not only did these locuses have hair like women, but they had teeth like a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. On our chart we talked about, we put what Judah on the east side or on the right side. And we put Ephraim on the left side, which is just intellect, human reasoning, and logic. And so, therefore, the teeth like a lion, as we slip into the Christ mind, eats up all of those lower thoughts that we have embraced. Then we talked about John the Baptist being a forerunner of Jesus. And it says that he wore camel's hair and a leather girdle. And listen, he ate locusts and wild honey. So don't ever listen to anyone for very long that hasn't eaten a bunch of locusts because they're just teaching you from the left side, from the traditions and the doctrines of men. I've been eating a lot of locusts the last few years and wild honey. He ate wild honey. What is that symbolic of? Well, David talked about the honey enlightening the eyes. You see, it brings light and understanding. Then we talked about the five wise and the five foolish virgins. They all had lamps, but five did not have oil. They didn't take the time to go buy the oil. And we found out that the word buy means to gather the faculties. And remember, they wanted to get oil from the five wise. And they said, go buy your own, lest we don't have enough for ourselves. And so they were not what? They were not gathering their faculties. So we all have a lamp tonight. But the question is, is our lamp full of oil, or are we empty heads? Have we created the vacuum, but not on the other side of the coin, slipped into the Christ's mind? Now, all of those virgins were one, but five of them could not walk in that subjectively because they didn't gather their faculties. Then we talked in Mark chapter 5 about a guy that was bound and Jesus came to him and asked him what his name was, and he said, Legion. The Latin for legion is revelation, or <laughs> religion, excuse me, yeah, revelation. Yeah, yeah revelation of religion. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's what legion means. And it said that he was bound in chains. That's what religion does. A revelation of religion yeah. will cause you to be bound in chains. He was also making his, his abode in the tombs, which designates what? Death. But remember what we said? When Jesus delivered him, when he was delivered, he was brought into or he was clothed. To put on the Christ mind is to be clothed, slip into a garment like you slip into the Christ mind like you slip into a garment. He was clothed in his right mind. So was it a matter of Jesus casting some entity out of him or was it showing him the truth? Now, we know what religion has said about that, but it was showing him the truth. So the point is that it is not merely the absence of lower thoughts and religious thinking, as we found out a couple weeks ago, but it is the light of Christ that causes fruit that remains to be manifested within our lives. Just getting rid of the lower thoughts is not enough. Jesus' death was not enough. And what did his death do? It exposed and absorbed all the lies we embraced, but it took his resurrection to reveal the truth of who we had always been. Oh, I could dance a little bit over that. That's the good news of the gospel. So we've been teaching living in the end because Isaiah said that God declared the end from the beginning. What does it mean to live in the end? I am. Knowing and realizing, I am. What does it mean to collapse time? I am right now. And what does it mean to create a vacuum? Any negative thoughts that come and try to dictate the opposite of that, that you ain't right now, you create the vacuum, the void, but then let's make sure we slip into the Christ mind. I gave the example of Proverbs 31 where it talks there about the woman and she, the virtuous woman. She represents our what? Our left side, the woman part. That's what she represents. And it says that she did not eat the bread of idleness. She wasn't an empty head. She may have collapsed the she may have collapsed time, lived in the end, collapsed time, and she may have created a vacuum, but she put the right thing back in there. How many of you have ever heard the little cliché uh, uh, that goes like this, an idle mind is the devil's workshop? you got to put something in there. Otherwise, you're going to get a lot of, and devil is not some entity out here with some power. No, devil is accusations and condemnation as a result of what you believe. So what we want to do is we want to, yes, create the vacuum, and we know nature abhors a vacuum, So we want to create the vacuum, but we want to think on these things, as it says in Philippians chapter 4. Then we talked about the wedding garment, the parable of the wedding garment. And I shared with you how every guest was given the proper apparel, a wedding garment or the proper apparel. But one guy decides not to put it on. And what does it mean? It means slip into the Christ mind. That's the apparel. Be in the Christ's mind. Be thinking on these things. Don't just create the vacuum when the negative thoughts come, but be in the Christ's mind. Slip into the Christ's mind. And we know what is said of this guy that didn't put on that wedding garment or the wedding apparel in Matthew 22. It says he was bound hand and foot. And it says he was taken away and he was cast into outer darkness. And he experienced weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. All of that is symbolic of you creating your own hell on earth. That's it. That's not some hell, eternal conscious torment that he was cast into. He created his own hell. And then lastly, I stated that Jesus' death, and I've already said that tonight, Jesus' death was not enough. Thank God for the death of Jesus. But it took the resurrection to reveal the truth unto us. Otherwise, we could not be walking in the spiritual dimension that we're walking in today. We must, after we create the vacuum, yield the thoughts. Yield the Christ thoughts. Think on these things, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. It's a great thing to create the vacuum. It's a great thing to live in the end, collapse time, create the vacuum, but be sure you put in the Christ thoughts. And that is only going to come one way, and it's going to come through meditation. The key of knowledge is turning within. Remember, Jesus said that in Luke 11, I think, 52. He talked to the religious people, and he was talking to them about the key of knowledge. And he said, you guys don't turn within, and you hinder those that want to turn within. But that's the key of knowledge. If you really want to understand what's written upon your heart and upon your mind, besides what's written in the scriptures, we must turn within. We must meditate day and night. We see this in Psalms. We see this in Joshua. Meditate day and night. Listen, that means you're always meditating on something, so why not meditate on the truth? We're always thinking on something and meditating on something. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 14. That's just a little review of what we had a couple of weeks ago because I know some were not here and perhaps did not see it on the live stream on Facebook so we're going to read here, as I said, about we're going to talk about John the Baptist's imprisonment and his beheading. And, of course, I'm not going to talk uh, or teach that as some historical event. Uh, I'm not saying it didn't happen historically. I'm sure that it did. But what good is that going to do us if we stay in the historicity of these stories? But if we can see the allegorical reality and how the, they are happening within you and I, then we'll be much further along and we'll understand it more. Now, as I begin, let me say this. John the Baptist represents your Christ mind. Go figure, right? John the Baptist represents our Christ mind. Herod represents the physical. Now, let me show you this chart. I know I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. Here. But remember this chart where I shared with you how that Dan was on the north, and that speaks of emotions. Reuben speaks of the physical. He was in the south. And we know that uh, Ephraim was intellect, reasoning, and logic. He was in the west, or the left side. But Judah was on the right side. So John the Baptist there is our Christ mind. Okay? Now, Herod represents the physical. He was interested in doing something physically where John the Baptist was concerned and where Herodias was concerned. And we'll talk about that as we go. And then Herodias, which was Philip's wife, she was divorced, Josephus says. She was divorced from Philip. She was Philip's wife. And then she married Herod. And that represents emotions. She was led by the emotions. Herod was led by the physical, the appearance realm. Herodias represents the emotions. Wife and woman in the scriptures always represent either the high emotions or the emotions that are under the subjection of spirit. But then on the left side or the west side, we see Salome. And we know what Salome did, and we'll see that a little bit more as we go on. So every story in the Bible can be applied. And I get this from Numbers chapter 2. Every story in the Bible about people can be applied to the north, the south, the east, or the west and once you come to that understanding and realize that then you can make the application of that inside of yourself okay now what was happening here in Matthew chapter 14 verses 1 through 12 was the flesh was lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh as Paul said in Galatians 5:17 and that happens in us until that happens in us until we come to a place because listen this meditation thing this living in the end, this collapsing time, this creating a vacuum, and then slipping into the Christ mind becomes easier and easier and easier. Now, we know that John the Baptist was put in prison, which signifies that our Christ mind, because he signifies our Christ mind in the realm of spirit, our Christ mind can be bound by the Herod, Herodias, and the Salome, If we allow the emotions, Herod the physical, Herodias the emotions, lower emotions in this case, or Salome the intellect, human reasoning, and logic to rule in our life. And remember, the reason that John the Baptist was put in prison was because he told Herod that his getting together with Herodias was unlawful according to the law at that time. Now, what does that symbolize to us today? Any time that we get together with the feminine principle in and of itself, which intellect and reasoning and logic has engaged in, then what are we doing? We're doing something that is unlawful or is not beneficial spiritually. Now, you and I have four aspects. And I've shared this with you many, many times. We have the spiritual aspect, the emotional aspect, the physical aspect, and we have the intellectual aspect. And so as you look here in uh, chapter 14 and verse 3, it talks about the brother's wife, which was Philip, that infers what? What is the wife, I've already stated, and what is the woman referred to in the scriptures where it says in Ephesians chapter 5, the wife's mu- wife must be in subjection to her husband or the woman must submit to her husband? What is that talking about where you're talking about the brother's wife here in chapter 14 of Matthew in verse 3? It's talking about the lower emotions that we embrace, So in other words, King Herod, representing the physical, wants to rule. The physical, what is the physical? Well, our five senses are attached to our physical body and flow to our brain. So the physical, or the appearance realm, or the five senses, want to rule. And so John the Baptist, being our Christ mind, was telling Herod... Do not get together or do not have intercourse with the emotions. Don't have intercourse with Herodias, the emotions, or the lower emotions. That's all that this story is talking about here. And it talks about the fact that if you do this, you know, because people say, well, you know, if you're divorced and married, remarried, you've committed adultery. Says who? (laughs) Says who? That was under the old law. So today, spiritual adultery is not that. Spiritual adultery is us intercoursing with right. the left side, with the intellect, the natural intellect, the human reasoning, the sensual logic that tries to come through the woman part. Right. Now, let me, hang on to Matthew. Let me have you go to Jeremiah 13. Jeremiah 13 and verse 27. And let me give you a scripture. I mean, you can study in the book of Revelation where it talks about the woman... Uh, that was clothed in royalty, and it's talking about the religious woman there. And it talks about all of these so-called sins that she commits. All of them are spiritual. All of them are spiritual. Because when people do not realize who they are, when they have mistaken identity, there's going to be all kind of things, outward things, that the church calls sins. And I'm not saying they're not sins, but it doesn't come in and of themselves. It comes from the mistaken identity that they have. All that we see in our world today that appears like chaos comes from the one power inverted because people are not walking in the right identity. They do not know who they are. So look what it says in Jeremiah 13, 27. I have seen thine adulteries and thy nighings or thy cryings, the lewdness of thy whoredom. And thine abominations on the hills and the fields. Woe unto thee, O Jerusalem! Wilt thou not be made clean? And you're only made clean as you turn within. You got to first see you are clean, and as you turn within in meditation, then the last part says, "When shall it not once be?" So adultery is not that which happens physical out here, physically out here between two pe- two people. Spiritual adultery is intercoursing with Herod, the physical. Herodias, the lower emotions, and Salome, which would be the intellect and the human reasoning and the logic. <laughs> That's what we're dealing with here. Now, 2 Corinthians. Quickly flip over to 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2. Yeah, Salome. <laughs> Salome. Not very good. I never did like Salome too much. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. Notice what it says here. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband. One husband. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. In other words, Christ is our husband. We're the lamb's wife. Nothing wrong with the left side. Whatsoever. But it's always the woman. The temptation always comes through like Eve. The woman. Comes through the comes through the left side when the left side is not joined in oneness. Now, objectively, they're one. But when the two are not joined subjectively and in our experience, the temptation comes from the left side. So, in other words, what this is talking about in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2 here is the subjective experience of us being called a chaste virgin is when the two are joined together and then subjectively we intercourse with the Christ mind, and that's the only way that the Christ consciousness can be birthed in the chamber of our virgin consciousness. That's the only way that can happen. See, and this is talking about a people. Paul talked about it in, in Romans chapter 8 that the whole creation's on tiptoe looking for the manifestation of the sons of God. Revelation talks about virgins. And what is it talking about when it talks about virgins? It's talking about between our ears. It's talking about us on the left side being one with the right side, not just objectively, but subjectively. Because subjectively it's already true, or objectively it's already true. So, as we know, John the Baptist, what was he? Well, he was a forerunner of Jesus Christ. And spiritually, John the Baptist in us directs us to the Christ consciousness. See, what did John say about about, uh, Jesus? He was the forerunner. He said, I must decrease. He must increase. And you know, people try to use that verse to say, i got to die to self and crucify the flesh and all that sort of a thing. I must decrease. Listen, as we slip into the mind of Christ, anything that tries to attack the feminine principle is just dissipated and is gone. But it's not about crucifying the flesh and dying to self. It's about knowing something. It's about knowing who we be. That's the secret there. Now, listen to this. In Rome, now, but as, as our desire, let me back up a little bit. As our desires, as our lower thoughts and lower, uh, lower fleshly desires try to rule, that is King Herod because King Herod wanted to rule a situation, okay? Now, in Romans 8 and verse 7, and this is one that people get tripped up on a lot as well. It says there that to be carnally minded is an enmity or an an enemy of God. Well, let me just declare to you, and I know you know this, you don't have a carnal mind. mind. There's only one mind. Now, that one mind can be inverted in your thinking. And it can appear that you have a carnal mind. And it goes on to say that the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. The carnal mind cannot. If you're living from the lower emotions, if you're living from from the left side in and of itself, guess what? You cannot, you are not yielded unto the word of God. So as we draw out from the lower carnal thoughts, which is an enmity against God, that's not against some God out here. That's against Christ in you and in me. That's what that's talking about. We have to take this on the inside of us. Now, If that's what's happening in your life, what you are doing, if you're led by your woman in and of herself through natural thoughts, human reasoning, and logic, if you're led by your woman or lower emotions, what are you doing? You are imprisoning the Christ mind, and you are cutting off the Christ mind. You are beheading the Christ mind in your experience. Now the reason that John, the reason that Herod once again threw John into prison was because he did not agree with his intercoursing, with his getting together with Herodias, which again represents lower thoughts. So John was trying to get this message across to Herod, King Herod, if you will, and telling him it's never gonna work if you're gonna intercourse with the woman in and of herself. The left side. The lower thoughts, the emotions. It's never going to work. And I'm going to tell you today, it's never going to work. It is never going to work. Right. Going. Now, you're there in Matthew 14. Look at verse 4. Let's read a few verses, and I'm going to close. not going to be long tonight. I'm going to, we're going to have some fellowship tonight. But I want to read a few verses to you in Matthew 14, verse 4. Look what it says. For John said unto him, unto who? Unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have her. Who? Herodias. It's not, it's not beneficial for you to be led by your lower emotions, is what he was saying. Because Herodias represents the emotions, the lower emotions. Verse 5 states that he would have put John to death, but he, he would, instead of putting John in prison, he would have put him to death if he would had his druthers about it. But listen why he didn't. He feared the multitude because they counted him, John, as a prophet. So it was fear of the people. And let me just say, king flesh, king physical, king five senses is always going to be operating out of fear. I don't care what you do, where you go, what you say. If that's what's leading our life, and I include myself, I'm always going to be motivated I'm always going to have fear over certain things. The wrong kind of fear. Not the reverence, the wrong kind of fear. Then verse 6 goes on to say, but when Herod's birthday was kept, in other words, they were cel- See, religion likes to celebrate the realm of appearance, the physical. So they were having a birthday party. Herod threw himself a birthday party. In other words, the physical left side in and of itself is celebrated in religion today. Oh, look how many we, we have in, in, our, in our church. We have thousands of people celebrating the physical. Look at our edifice. And ours is looking pretty nice now. But <laughs> let me just say, look at this big building that we have built. Well, remember what Jesus said about the big building that took him 40 years to build. to me one stone left on top of the other. It's going to be destroyed. I love you see? Or titles, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, in other words, when Herod's birthday was celebrated, <laughs> that represents celebrating the physical, celebrating the five senses, celebrating the numbers, celebrating the big buildings. Celebrating how many souls we got saved last night in our meeting. Well, let me move on here. The rest of verse 6 says, The daughter of Herodias, who was the daughter of Herodias Salome, noticed, danced before them and pleased Herod. Pleased Herod. Now, her name means she that rewards. She rewarded Herod. She pleased Herod by dancing in front of him. Might have been a little provocative. I don't know. But she pleased him. And then Herodias' name means, listen, to monitor or to watch over or to be in charge, not in a positive way, but in a negative way. And when Salome asked her mother what she should ask for, she was in charge Mm -hmm. and believing that she was in charge by asking for the head of John the Baptist. Now look at verse 7. Whereupon he, Herod, promised with an oath to give her, Salome, whatever she would ask. Because why? She pleased him by dancing in front of him. Mm-hmm. And you see, we don't give our feminine part in and of herself what she would maybe want from time to time. Mm-hmm. Has your left side ever wanted something from time to time yeah. that was fleshly mm-hmm. or emotional, lower emotions? No. Like a pity party? Mm-hmm. Hello? <laughs> oh, what? oh, yeah. Our left side is always conniving, (laughs) wanting to make things king that objectively are not king in our lives. We reward ourselves many times with stuff rather than rewarding ourselves with John the Baptist, the mind of Christ. He's our reward. Now listen to verse 8. And she, Salome, meaning what? One who rewards or pleases. And she, Salome, being before, instructed her mother, because remember, John the Baptist said, I'll give you anything you want in my kingdom. He said that to Salome, who danced before him. And so what does she do? Salome has no clue what to ask him for. So she goes to her mother, Herodias, the lower emotions. And what does her mother say? We want John the Baptist's head. So listen to this. The physical Herod wanted to rule, but could only rule through intellect, Salome, reason and logic, led by Herodias, which was the lower emotions, fueled by the lower emotions. So in other words, when we live from the left side, in and of itself, what are we doing? We're asking for John's head, our Christ's mind, to be bound. And to be beheaded. So in other words, King Herod said to Salome that he would give her anything that she asked for. And again, she went to her mother, and her mother said, I want the head of John the Baptist. Look at verse 9. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake. He was sorry that he would promised Salome that she could have anything that she wanted. So the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake. And them that sat with him at meat, because other people heard this, that he was saying to Salome, verse 10 says, and he sent and beheaded John in prison because Salome went to her mother. Her mother, lower emotion, said, we want his head. Verse 11, and his head was brought in a charger, which is a plate, and given to the damsel, Salome, and she brought it to her mother. So since Herod made a promise to Salome, He was under oath to give her whatever she asked because that's what he said that he would do. Now, again, John the Baptist is what? It's our Christ mind. Herod is what? It's the physical part, the realm of appearance part. Herodias is what? Lower emotions. Salome is what? The left side of intellect, reasoning. And she reasoned with her mother. What should I ask for? And then that reasoning came about through the lower emotions. They went to King Herod, and King Herod saw to it that someone was sent to the prison where John was, the mind of Christ was, and beheaded him and brought him on a plate, a charger or a plate. Now, this is exactly what you and I do when we are led by the left side in and of itself, when we're led by the physical appearance realm, the lower emotions, Remember the north part? The left side of, as we've talked about, emotions, as as we've talked about the, the intellect, excuse me, the intellect, the reason, and the logic. When we're led by that, rather than the east, Judah, John the Baptist, then we're going to have these situations in our life that are not going to produce for us fruit that remains. Now, look at verse 11. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. So in other words, Salome, intellect, reason, and logic that was fueled by emotions, Herodias, brings John the Baptist, the Christ mind, a form of the Christ mind, to death within us. And that all happens within us as we yield to the left side in and of itself. What is the key? Psalm 1, 2, Joshua 1, 8, meditate day and night. Now, we know there's a scripture, I think it's Zechariah 6, maybe 6, 4, that says, It is not by mental might, it is not by physical power, but it is by my consciousness or spirit, saith the Lord. I could say it this way. It's not by King Herod. It's not by mental might. It's not by King Herod. It is not by Herodias physical power, but it is by what? It is by John the Baptist. It's by John the Baptist. It's by our Christ. It's not by mental might, nor by physical power, which King Herod, Herodias, Salome, are all involved in mental might and physical power. But it is by John the Baptist, the John the Baptist consciousness, which is the mind of Christ. Now, This is what we're doing and what we're going to continue to do with the scriptures. We're going to look at them allegorically. Because again, what good does it do to have a nice little story? And as I've said many times, some of those stories are not so nice. And this is one of them that's not so nice. About wanting to get a guy who told someone the truth according to what he believed. And so they want to kill him. They want to behead him. What does that do for us? It does nothing for us until we can bring it on the inside and we can see the allegorical reality of it and also not only see the allegorical reality, but have that quickened within our awareness that we can walk in that, that we can experience that fruit that remains. So this is where we're at, folks. So many people today are throwing the Bibles away. And I'm here to tell you, I love my Bible. I love the word even greater that's written upon my heart and my mind. But it does lead me to the scriptures. And as I go to the scriptures, I see these neat stories like this. And we've done a lot of stories, even in the Old Testament in this series. We're on 121 mind-brain connections. We've done a lot. We've done on Jonah, Abraham, Joseph. We've looked at Jacob and seeing eye-to-eye, face-to-face, and the pineal and all of that sort of a thing. What are we doing? We're simply, we're simply you know, like, like the sayings today, go out and break a leg. That's not meaning to go literally break your leg in the movie industry. Let's go shoot the bull. That's what we're doing. We're shooting the bull. What does that mean? If I said, let's go shoot an elephant, you would have no clue what I was talking about. But if I would say, let's go shoot the bull, oh, she wants to go out and have a conversation. Or he spilled the beans. What if I said she spilled the, the coffee? Well, what? The coffee beans, yeah. <laughs> but if I say, you know, he spilled the beans, that means he spoke out of turn. So that's what we're doing with the scriptures. And, and we have to understand that in the Jewish mindset and to the ancient people, they saw a lot of, of allegorical realities. They, didn't, they did not teach these things Literally. And that's where we have gotten in trouble. We have literalized the scriptures and stayed there. And we've got to move beyond that. Yes, much of that probably happened literally. But, you know, as I said when I started this series, if you would ask me, don't you believe those things happen literally? I could care less. I don't care. I don't care. I want to see what they're going to mean within me, happening within me. And they all have that allegorical reality, spiritual, symbolic reality that are applicable to our lives. Amen. So there you have it. John the Baptist, the Christ mind. We behead, we imprison the flow of the Christ mind in us when we are embracing Herod, the physical, Herodias, the lower emotions, or Salome, intellect, reasoning, and logic. Amen. So Father, we thank you tonight for this people. Thank you for our spirit that is quickening and making these truths alive within us, showing us how they are already objectively true about us, but we want to move into the subjective experience. And that is a work of our spirit within us. We thank you. We praise you for your love and your grace. In the name of the Lord, amen. Amen and amen.